Gate. Good morning to those worshiping with us online. I'm Marsha. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is always, always a privilege to bring God's word to you. We're in the second, second week of our series called Basic, and today we're going to learn how to pray. <laughs> I, hope, I hope most, if not all of us, already know how to pray, but there's always room for growth and learning, and God wants to draw us ever closer to himself. He is so good, and he loves each of us so much. Some of you know that I come from a running family. My dad started this trend back in the early 80s when it was a trend. It was kind of the cardiovascular fitness craze of the day. And he was a little bit stressed out, taught junior high, not that, that I'm saying there's any affiliation there, but uh, he started to run. And I could see how given the options at the time, that was what he chose. You know, there was Jane Fonda aerobics with <laughs> leotards and leg warmers or a very dignified sweatsuit, and that's what my father chose. So my dad's a runner. My brother, who some of you know as a music teacher in the Oakfield School District, is an avid runner. Uh, my sister and I have also dabbled in running. In fact, more than dabbled in all of the eight adults in my immediate family, my parents, my siblings, and each of our spouses, six of the eight of us have completed a full marathon. That's 26.2 miles in a single calendar day. Um, <laughs> um, including yours truly, believe it or not. In fact, when I was in my early 20s in training for said marathon, I found that all those extra training miles made me faster and stronger at running shorter distances. Go figure. And uh, one Saturday morning, it was cold. I remember we put on tights and, and sweatshirts. Um, my husband, Tom, and I went to uh, run a 5K race. That's just 3.1 miles, piece of cake, right? And it was on Bromley Road in Churchville. Any of you familiar with Bromley Road in Churchville? It's a little hilly, right? And I was familiar with Bromley Road because I was into my training, about two months into my training. And that was one of the only places nearby. We lived in North Chile at the time. And you could get a decent hill workout on Bromley Road. So we're headed out to this race. And it's not a race of consequence. There's really not much at stake for me. I'm not out to win any prize money or prove anything to anyone except myself. Right? When we're competing against ourselves, we sometimes I was very keyed up. In fact, I was so nervous on the, on the ride, the drive to that race, I felt like throwing up. And Tom, who has been talking me down for 26 plus years, said, look, you know how to do this. What's to be nervous about? Just put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> right? That's how you run a race. One foot in front of the other. Tom gave me that simple advice more than 20 years ago, and I can't tell you how many times since then when I have felt nervous, stressed, overwhelmed, intimidated, that I have thought back to that moment. It was silly at the time. I laughed. Sometimes when we laugh, that helps reduce our nerves, right? But I laughed at the time, but it's so true. One foot in front of the other. And I was thinking about that when I was posed with the challenge, the opportunity of teaching how to pray. How to pray. Because it seems in some ways like teaching how to 
walk or how to talk. I mean, it takes time. It takes practice. It's something that has to be learned by experience. One syllable at a time. We had a bunch of little kids up here this morning, and, you know, they babble, and one step at a time, and when children are learning to walk, they trip, they fall, they don't have far to, far to land, but it's one word at a time, one foot in front of the other. It's so simple, and yet so essential to our relationship with God and our relationships with each other to pray to pray. I love how Billy Graham defined prayer. He said, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. And we know we should pray. Over and over again in scripture, we're told to pray. Uh, the apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 said, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And that's just one of many verses where we're urged, commanded to pray. And yet, a pastor here at Northgate almost five years, and it's one of the things I most often hear is a sense of doubt or uncertainty, guilt. I know I should pray more. I, you know, this sense of, I want to pray, I know it's important, but how? How? And so I think we need, we not even, not only need to know how, but, but why. And I think both of those are summed up in our main point for this weekend, which is this. To express your love and need for God, pray simply, Pray sincerely and pray, yes, often, often. And we're going to use a simple prayer model. There are many out there. This one is pretty revolutionary. It's P-R-A-Y. Pray. First, we pause to be still. Then we rejoice with a psalm and reflect on a scripture. Then we ask. We ask God to help us and to help people that we care about. And, and not only the people we care about, but our enemies too, by the way. And why we yield to his will in our lives, come what may. So that's the simple prayer model. I got it from something called Lectio 365. It's an app. <laughs> it's an app that you can download onto your phone. I've referred many people to it. It's actually something new for me, maybe in the last year or so, and I've used it as the basis for our prayer times at our centered services, which are the little plug here, first Wednesday of every month at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. It's not always following the Lectio 365, and it's uh, the pastors take turns leading that service. It's a wonderful time to be centered on God, to pray, to worship him, and if you want to know more about how to pray and get more practice, I urge you to come to that service, centered service. But in the app, <laughs> I say that because so often our phones can be a distraction for us, right? Like I personally need to keep my phone away from me when I am setting aside time to be in prayer and in scripture because I get texts. I, even if I turn, off, I turn it on focus, I'm like, it's just, you know, calling me. I want my phone. I want to check something. I want to Google something, whatever. Better for me not to have it with me. But when I go through the 365 and use the app, it can be a wonderful tool. So the first letter in pray stands for pause. 
pause to be still. In scripture, we find this verse. It's a beloved verse. Be still and know that I am God. And in the Lectio 365 app, this is, these are the first words. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. We pause. We pause. Notice how countercultural that feels. It's uncomfortable, right? It's awkward. We live in a culture full of words and images and activities. I recently read how even social media posts are being overtaken by videos and reels. We're losing the patience even to read words that people post. We need, we need images. We need action. The words aren't active enough. But we, do we really need those things? Instead, God invites us into stillness. There's an old hymn with the title, Blessed Quietness. When I was growing up, my mother used to say, silence is golden, and I would roll my eyes. <laughs> but she was right. She was right. Silence is golden, especially silence that we enter into with a prayerful intention, a focus on God, an invitation to be in his presence. So that's the first part of praying, is just to pause, to make the time for it. And that's, yes, ideally we will have a daily time set aside in our schedule to pray. And as we go through our days and weeks and months and years, there are going to be times when Things get chaotic, things get scary, things get difficult. We're in situations where we're overwhelmed, we don't know what to do. And we can pause in those moments. A pause can be a millisecond, a pause can be an hour, right? But a pause in our hearts, you don't have to move your lips. You don't have to let anybody know that you're praying but God knows the intention of our heart, and he is ready to be right there. He longs for relationship with us. He loves us so much. Call, call out to him in prayer wherever and whenever with a pause. Then the next letter, R, rejoice with a psalm and reflect on a scripture. So this is a both-and proposition. It's different than what last week's lesson was about, how to study the Bible reflecting on a psalm and a scripture, those are things that, ways of incorporating scripture into prayer that allow the word of God to just wash over us, just refresh us, lift us up, right? It's a sacred text. It's not a time when we need to figure it out, what the words mean, what the historical context was. All of those things are interesting and informative and important for study time. But when we are in prayer, I just, I think it is so awesome that God saw fit to 
collect and preserve and provide this source of spiritual sustenance for his people over the centuries. You know, some, some people like to nitpick about this word and that word, and in this ancient scroll, it's this way, and in this version, it's that way. None of that matters compared to the holy God of the universe speaking to us, touching our hearts, connecting with us in love through his word. That's the kind of rejoicing and reflection on scripture that allows us to enter into prayer. So we're going to do that right now. We're not going to do both, a psalm and a scripture. We're just going to, just going to go through one psalm, part of a psalm. And I want you to just let the words wash over you. Close your eyes if that helps. When I was a kid, I was taught how to pray this way. Close your eyes, fold your hands, bow your head, don't move. <laughs> right? I, I was taught in the, in the context of many children, and, uh, you know, they're trying to do crowd control. That's not God's objective in prayer. He, you can posture yourself however you want as long as it's one of reverence toward him one of an acknowledgement that God is God and God is awesome and you want to allow him to be God in your life. So however you want to posture yourself, the important thing is to posture your heart toward God as we rejoice in this psalm. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O oh God our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power. You armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. Now, did I lose anybody in the midst of that psalm? You don't have to raise your hand. I know how easy it is to get distracted. You're listening, you're trying to listen, you're trying to pay attention. Obviously, this is different. We're in a large context on a Sunday morning. When you're alone in prayer, if you incorporate a psalm into your prayer time or any scripture, and you lose your way, you get distracted, don't beat yourself up. You know those voices that say, oh, you're bad, you're distracted, you should be more attentive. That, that's not the voice of God. God's voice is constantly inviting us. God's voice is gracious and says, okay, your attention got turned away. Start again, try again constantly, gently, graciously inviting us into his presence. So when I'm distracted in prayer, reading a psalm, for example, 
I might just decide to stand up <laughs> instead of sitting down. Maybe it's early in the morning, you know, and it's, I've only had half a cup of coffee. <laughs> it's stand up. Read it out loud. Do whatever you need to do to persist. That's a lesson I've learned from running, right? Perseverance. Persist in pursuing God. And remember, the goal of this component of prayer is to rejoice in who God is. I sometimes forget the joy. I know that sounds ridiculous, and I know you might not believe me because everybody says I smile all the time. I don't really. I smile a lot. I, I credit that to my mother. She was so happy to have me. She had lost two babies before me. She almost lost me. When she had me, she smiled all the time. So that's where I credit my smiling. But I don't always feel joyful. I get stressed. I get worried. I'm very productive. Can anybody else relate to this? I can get a lot done in a day. I can juggle a lot of activities and thoughts and check, check, uh, checklists and you know stuff for the kids, stuff for myself, stuff for work, stuff for the grocery store, all that stuff. And then I find sometimes I forget the joy, the joy of the Lord, the purpose of it all, which is to live life freely and fully in his presence. That's what we're, get, we're going after here. We're, we're seeking to rejoice in who God is and whose we are in God. So that's the R. The A, this is everybody's favorite. Ask. Ask God for stuff. We love to do this. Anybody prays, right? Even some non-believers will pray. They'll, they'll just, you know, get into a desperate situation and ask God, if there's a God, that's what they say, um, do this for me. Save me from this. You know, we, we, we sometimes tend to treat God like some sort of cosmic genie. You know, we just need help. We know God is beyond us. We know God is powerful. So we just ask. You know what? God is so gracious, he overlooks that sort of juvenile approach. But he invites us graciously, patiently, persistently to come to him. Yes, ask for the things that you need. Ask for the things that you want. Ask for the things that your neighbors and your friends and your family need. And he's so gracious. He so wants to be in relationship with us that he'll, he'll accept us even on those terms, but he wants us to go deeper. And so that's why I would say prefacing the asking with an acknowledgement of who God is, pausing, rejoicing and reflecting, then asking, because then we'll ask in the right spirit. We'll ask with a humility and an understanding of who God is. The verse that I've associated with asking God to help us is this from James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Now there you go. I told you at the beginning that our prayer our prayer life is important not only for our relationship with God, but also relationship with each other. And that comes with confession. When we hurt other people, when we hold resentments against other people because they've hurt us, that's also going to hurt our prayer life. So God intends for us to confess to each other, to forgive each other, to pray for each other so that we may be healed inside and out, 
spiritual wounds, emotional wounds, physical illnesses and ailments. And it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I want to stop right there because I did something that kind of goes against the spirit of this. Just in the last week, I had a very urgent prayer request. It wasn't that I did something wrong, but the spirit of it, when I texted this friend of mine, she's a woman of God, she's a faithful person of prayer, I thought, I got to get so-and-so on this, because she's a righteous person, and God's going to listen to her. Well, that's true. But those of you who heard that bit about the earnest prayer of a righteous person and kind of counted yourself out, remember this, because God reminded me of it this week. Where does our righteousness come from? Any one of us. Is it because of us? Is it because of something we've done? Some characteristic that we have developed? No. Our righteousness, all of us, comes from the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died for us and rose again. Our righteousness is because of him. That's what God sees when he sees us, those of us who have put our trust in Jesus. So, you're it. You're the one who needs to be the earnest earnest prayer for the things you need and the things others need because of the righteousness of Jesus and the power of prayer because of him. That's the A. Go ahead and ask in the right spirit. And then finally, why? Yield to his will in our lives, come what may. That's the hard part, right? Come what may, because bad stuff happens. Hard things happen. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And he knew he had trouble. And yet, we're invited to, as Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Don't depend on our own understanding to seek his will in all we do, and he will show us which path to take. Now, on the subject of how to pray, I would be extremely remiss if I left out the quintessential guide to prayer in the Bible itself. Now, I use a website called BibleGateway.com. I often use it. It has a bunch of different versions of the Bible. It's easy to use. I recommend it. There are lots of Bible apps and things, but I like BibleGateway.com. That's not an advertisement. It's just what I use. So this is what I used. I uh, searched for the, for the phrase, in quotation marks, how to pray in the New International Version, which is probably the most widely used ver- uh, version of the English Bible, especially in America. I got nothing. How to pray. Nothing. I looked it up in my second favorite version of the Bible, which is the New Revised Standard Version. How to pray. I got one result, and this is it. Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. So there's a couple of messages there. First of all, if you don't know what to say, don't know how to pray, don't worry. Just turn your heart to God, and he'll take care of it. The Spirit of God can groan for us. In, in ways that are deeper than our understanding or our ability to communicate. But secondly, we clearly 
are not alone in our struggle. We do not know how to pray. It's ancient truth. It's an ancient human experience. And yet, if I then search for how you should pray, the phrase how you should pray, I come to Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 9, and let's pray together the way that Jesus told us we should pray. And in the place where it gets tricky and there are about five different options, we're going to say debts and debtors. You know what I mean. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as you forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a good pray. That's a good prayer. That's how to pray. And we can focus on that and we can use that as our model. I want to share just one more thing with you about how to pray. There's a, a contemporary paraphrase of that Lord's Prayer that, we, that was written and used daily by Dallas Willard, who is with the Lord now, but was a, a wonderful biblical scholar who, who believed and lived out friendship with God. And it goes like this. Dear Father, always with us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad because you are the one in charge and you have all the power and the glory is yours forever which is the way we want it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your desire. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your invitation to pray. We want to be in relationship with you. Some of us stumble and fall just trying to put one foot in front of the other as we pray. Be patient with us as our loving Heavenly Father. Continue, Lord, to hold out your arms to us so that we can walk to you with increasing confidence and strength as we practice, as we put in the miles. Lord, we want to walk with you every day of our lives. Thank you that we can do that through prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I started out by saying, you know, one foot in front of the other. And I, I, I thought of this while we were singing about the Lord of creation. I encourage you, go for a prayer walk. It is beautiful outside. The trees are declaring the glory of the Lord, at this, especially at this time of year. And we can pray as we walk. We can pray as we run. We can pray however God moves us to pray through his spirit as he's always doing. The takeaway is this. Prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. I'd also be remiss if I didn't invite you. If you've got something to work out with God before you leave here today, this sanctuary is a place to do it. We'll be in the front to pray with you. You can pray by yourself, but work things out with God. He loves you. 
So go now in his presence, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. 